welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we'll be giving you some sure things and risky players for the 2020 fantasy season. So for sure things, it's not necessarily the guys who are going to be performing the best in next year's fantasy seasons, but it's the guys who are the most consistent and who have the highest floor. So we'll be giving you those. Some of them we think will do really well. Some of them we think should be mostly disregarded from fantasy drafts, uh, depending on who they are. But we all know that at least those players have a floor that you can rely on week, either week after week or in the full season or both. You can rely on them to hit that number of points that you're looking for from them. And we'll also give you some risky players, some guys that may hit that number of points that you're hoping for, and then they may go completely bust too. Some of the guys that are the biggest risks in fantasy drafts, and we'll tell you whether you should risk a pick on them or not. Also, whether you should Yeah, these them. are going to be the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are going to be the guys that you're going to see in the boomer, boomer bus segments. They're going to be the guys that's either going to put up 20 points or two points. You never really know, but sometimes they're a risk worth taking. So we'll yeah. talk about all that. And then sometimes the sure thing guys are the guys that you don't want to draft because they're just getting like eight mm-hmm. points every single time in half PPR leagues, which is not very good. So we'll get into that. And then at the end of the show, we have a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver that Chris and I each picked out one of. And so we each, th- those are the guys, the guys we picked out, we picked out our favorite players who we think should go undrafted. So like I said, we picked out three guys, one at each mm-hmm. of those positions, who are our favorite players that we think should go undrafted. And really, you can make a decent case for them being drafted. So let's get started. And uh, before, actually, before we get started, just a quick announcement. Um, we are at, Chris and I are starting a live sports talk show. I think we talked about this a little on last week's show, but we know officially when it's going to start. It is now starting this coming Saturday, which is in five days. So every Saturday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Chris and I will be discussing sports. We'll be analyzing all the news and games and uh, whatever's going on. There aren't, obviously aren't many games going on right now, but when there are games going on, we'll talk about those for an hour each week from 7 to 8 Eastern time. And then also dur- during the rest of the week, we'll have some solo live streams for you. Uh, some about fantasy football, some about football, some about basketball, some about baseball, just pretty much all sports. Um, and those will be solo. And we have already been putting those out. Um, if you look on our channel, which is at sportscaster.com slash SG Sports Talk, it's uh, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash sg sports talk you can already see that i have posted some news of the day segments and some segments about fantasy football chris posted a segment about football and a segment about the mlb and we'll be putting some more out um very soon in fact i'll probably put some out tonight um so Mm -hmm. that'll be fun and uh let's get started into our fantasy segment again you can find us on the sportscaster app or s-p-o-r-t-s-c-a-s-t-r dot com slash sg sports talk um, and make sure to look for that, uh, and make sure to look for our show every Saturday. So let's get started. And mm-hmm. Chris, uh, at quarterback, we've each got two sure things and two risky players, and we're starting with sure things. So who's your sure, main sure thing quarterback for 2020? I think it's kind of an obvious one, but I'm going to have to say Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's just so talented. He was the MVP a few years ago. I think that he had a, a good shot to be the MVP if he didn't get injured this year. I mean, he just has so many weapons. He's got Kelsey Hill, uh, he's got the new Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming into Kansas City, and these are all guys that are going to be top 16, I'd say. I think I have Edwards-Hilaire at 16, and he's the lowest out of those big three. And then he has guys like Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman to throw to. McCole Hardman is a great deep threat. He's on the rise, but I really think that uh, he's going to kind of show up next year, Hardman will, and then I think that Sammy Watkins is a nice complement to that group. So 
I think that as long as Mahomes stays uninjured, he's going to be fine. I do think that the injury last year was more of a fluke. I think that he has a low injury risk. I don't think that you need to be thinking, oh, goodness, he had an injury last year. I think it was more of the Madden curse last year. But uh, Mahomes yeah. is not an injury risk quarterback. I mean, if Lamar can't, if Lamar's not getting injured, then I don't think Mahomes is going to get injured next year. But I do think that he will be super consistent. And you'll see him putting up 20-plus fantasy point nights pretty much every game. Yeah, Mahomes' injury was definitely a fluke. He was, like, diving for a first down on fourth and one or something, and then his kneecap got Mm -hmm. dislocated. That looked pretty brutal. And watching it on tape a hundred times the next day got a little bit uh, disgusting, but um, at least for me. But uh, my favorite sure thing next year, for sure, and one of my favorite – What? Calvin's the kind of guy that watches a – Mahomes getting injured a hundred times over and over again. No, no, I wasn't. It was just I was watching Sports Center, and that's when they played it. I'm just kidding, Calvin. I'm just. Kidding. I know, I know, I know. You're kidding. No, Cal, Cal, no, guys, Calvin, Calvin searches up Mahomes injury and just rewatches it over and over and over again. Yep, that's, 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 what, that's what I do. That's what he does for fun. No, it was just on Sports Center, and then I watched it the next day. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so one of my favorite sure thing quarterbacks, and one of my favorite quarterbacks next year is Russell Wilson, and we've talked about him a lot on episodes. And in this episode, I was trying to sort of get more guys that we haven't really talked about much in previous episodes, and it was easier since sure things aren't always the guys I like the best. But Russell Wilson is a sure thing. He also happens to be one of the guys I like the best. Um, he's a great sleeper for not a sleeper for 2020, but a great undervalue. He's a guy in the elite tier that people sort of forget about. And with his rushing ability, his passing ability, his playmaking ability, his weapons in Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, I think he can do really well over there in Seattle. He's also got uh, Will Disley, Greg Olson, and Jacob Hollister at tight end. Uh, he's got Carlos Hyde as an addition at running back. And he's got that amazing ability that put him as a Seattle starter way back in, I think, 2015. So Russell Wilson is a guy that you should really look for in drafts. He's a sure thing. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that, as a sure thing, is a great value pick. Um, he'll be putting up great, cons- consistently great uh, fantasy points uh, every single yeah, and, and he's got a young he's got a young receiver in DK Metcalf that I think is really gonna help him be consistent. I mean, DK Metcalf is a guy that the Seahawks got later in the draft. I think he was expected to go early, and he really showed that he should have been a first rounder. And I think that he's gonna be really helpful for Russell Wilson. I mean, there's even been speculation that Antonio Brown that or well, Russell Wilson has publicly said that he would like for Antonio Brown to come to the Seahawks. We don't know if that's ever gonna happen because Antonio Brown's in a bit of trouble. But if that did. That could be big for Russell. Yeah, Brady also wanted Brown to come to the Buccaneers. I don't know why they want him, though. Like, I feel like they've got – both of those teams have got good receivers. So, um, I mm-hmm. guess we – did we go an episode without – we went an episode without talking about Antonio Brown. I think mo- – oh, we don't talk about Antonio Brown a ton. Uh, it's not one of mm-hmm. our famous talkabouts. But, um, so, y- yeah, about. I just think – yeah. But, um, so, Chris, let's go to you. And I guess your second sure thing is Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is just a guy that's really consistent. I mean, he was really consistent when he was on the Redskins, and I think that he's conti- going to continue that with the Vikings in, what is this, his third year, second year? Third, I, I think. think. Third, yeah. Third year with the Vikings. I mean, he's got a good receiving core. You add Justin Jefferson to that. I don't know if, how that's going to mesh together when you got Adam Thielen, who likes to play in the slot, and Justin Jefferson, who played, I think, 99% in the slot in college. I don't know how that's going to work, but I think that the Vikings will figure out a way to get that whole situation figured out. And I think that Kirk Cousins is going to be able to be really consistent with a solid wide receiving core. And I just think that 
that run game allows him to be free and not have to worry about a pass rush too much. And it kind of opens up the secondary because teams are going to have to be putting four linebackers in the box almost. Yeah, it's for Cousins, It's he's one of the most biggest sure things. He's not one of my favorite players, though. And this is my example where it's like the sure thing isn't always the greatest. Cousins, I think, has a good floor. It's just his ceiling isn't that great because of the limited number of pass mm-hmm. attempts, I feel like, yeah. in that offense. Um, yeah, so- that's why that's kind of why you, you can expect a consistent number because I think he's going to be consistently getting a similar amount of passing attempts. And he's not a guy that's taking deep shots all the time. I mean, so that's why you can kind of expect to see some of the shorter throws. But he's going to get a few touchdowns. So you can kind of expect somewhere in that 15-point range pretty much on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I, it's not like the best. You don't want 15 every every week, but there will be weeks where he gets more. So he's a decent uh, backup. Mm-hmm. Um, my next sure thing is Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, he – I think there's little doubt that he's going to put up a top 12 or close to that season next year. I think he was the number 11 QB last year. But, I mean, with the addition of Todd Gurley, say what you will about his injury, it does help Ryan at least somewhat because we know Gurley is very talented and he'll open up holes for Ryan in the passing game. Ryan has always been that guy who throws for a ton of yards and then just uses that to keep his production afloat. It's sort of like the Julio Jones of quarterbacks. But, um, I mean, Ryan does throw for touchdowns, of course, but he also throws for a ton of yards. Um, I think the interceptions were a little bit of a concern last year, if I'm remembering correctly, but he's going to be mm-hmm. one of those consistent guys. And while I don't love him next year, he's going to be, he's going to have a decent shot at a top 10 season. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily say I agree with you, Calvin, but I see where you're coming from. I, I had Matt Ryan on my team last year and I actually felt like he was a little bit inconsistent. I couldn't trust whether he was going to have a big game or a really low game, but I do agree with you that his yards are normally pretty consistent. I think it, it is a little hard to predict when he's going to get touchdowns because with those interceptions, you never know if they're going to be able to get the ball into the red zone and they may be getting tons of yards, but they haven't really worked too great in the red zone. And I know that that's kind of tough to predict, but from a yard standpoint, I would definitely agree that he is a very consistent player. Yeah. That definitely. I think just it's yeah, he wasn't the most consistent in fantasy points, but I mean, sure, things don't always have to be consistency either. And that's something that I I keep. I mean, that's something that we have to remember just because I think if they're consistent, that's one thing. And it can relate to them being a sure thing. But if you're sure that Ryan's going to have some big games and then some not so big, but he's going to put up a top 10, top 12 fantasy season, I still think that qualifies as a Mm -hmm. sure thing anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say a week a week by week basis he's super consistent, but definitely in a seasonal basis he's going to be a guy that you can trust to be a top twelve quarterback. Yeah, and so or actually, I wouldn't say top twelve because I don't think I have him in my top twelve. Well, my number I have him, I have him at number fourteen, so I would say yeah, I'm tried. I say inside the top fifteen. I mean, I know I have him in my top twelve, but I think he's a borderline top twelve guy for me. But who? could be even a top 10 it's hard to, it's hard to decide but I mean he is there's not really too much debate about where he's ranked it's not like someone's putting mm-hmm. him at 20 and someone's putting him at 10 like he is I think for me he's around 10 or so I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. where I have him but at yeah. running back Chris has got a really bold prediction for a sure thing here oh this is crazy <laughs> Christian McCaffrey I mean it's kind of obvious one I'll this week's too much explaining, but he's the number one running back in fantasy. He gets so many touches that he's he's thrust into a place where he has to be consistent because of the number of touches he's getting. I mean, it doesn't even matter what his yards per carry is. He's getting like 20 touches in the running game and 10 touches in the passing game, it seems like, on a weekly basis. And that just that gives him a, a sure thing 
rating because you know that he's going to get so many yards from scrimmage every week. Yeah, and I think, guys, I know Chris's microphone, like, sped up, on my screen at least, because it sort of, what it does is it goes behind, and then it speeds up, and it sped up really fast there when you were talking about him, but I think everyone knows that I don't know, I actually don't know if that, I don't actually know if that's a a Wi-Fi issue on your end, or if that's appearing on the podcast, we'll have to check that out, but. I mean, it's on, it's still, it's, I'm recording in the same spot as usual, but I'm, I mean, I'm not sure, anyway, you, at least it came during a discussion, one of the most obvious discussions there Mm -hmm. is, because McCaffrey is clearly the number one running back, um, so for me, my biggest sure thing is Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott, is one of the most consistent fantasy players there is, year after year, Mm -hmm. week after week, 15 or 20 fantasy points, no more, no less. But it, it doesn't really matter, though, because he gets a top, top five fantasy season every single year. And there can be a case made that even though Ezekiel Elliott maybe doesn't score quite as many points as the very top tier of running backs, there can be a case made that his consistency makes up for that and that he should be drafted in that tier, which is what many people say. And, I mean, I think I somewhat agree with them. Elliott is my – um, I think he's my number four running back right now, and I think he should be drafted right there. So he's right in the early, early to mid-first round. For me, um, my number five overall player. So, um, right, right, just a little earlier in the first round for me. And Chris, I'm sure you agree because Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. is clearly one of the most consistent players there. I don't know if I necessarily necessarily agree with your number five overall player, though. That's a little. I mean, I could see a case. I would, I would have him as, I would have him as my number three. Yeah, I can see a case being made for his highest three. Um. I guess that makes sense to me, but I think, and maybe even as high as two, honestly, if you're worried about Saquon Barkley's injury risk, that could be something where it's like, um, mm-hmm. you, you could argue for Elliot at two, but I'm not going to do that because I don't believe in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, uh, for my next running back, I've got one guy that's pretty interesting. And then one guy that I think it's pretty obvious. It was more obvious a few weeks ago. That's Chris Carson. With the signing of Carlos Hyde, I don't think that he's going to be as consistent. I actually, I think that there's a possibility that you could interpret the signing of Carlos Hyde as they want to give someone a few more touches, take off, take some of the work off of Chris Carson. But I think it's really just to have a, a mentor in that offense. Chris Carson's young. I think that Carlos Hyde is a guy that uh, can kind of teach him. I think that he needs help with fumbling issues. So Obviously, if that fumbling issue comes back, I guess that could the signing of Carlos Hyde could be a move in case that happens. But I think that that'll be the main focus for Chris Carson, and then I think that he'll sure that up a little bit. So I think that he's going to be a sure thing next year. We're going to see him as a top 15 running back, I think, pretty obviously. For me, he's borderline (laughs) top 15, and he's a good sure Mm -hmm. thing. I agree with that completely. Yeah, for my my interesting one that I just talked about, uh, Tariq Cohen, and you may be surprised by this, but I'm just scrolling down my list and I look at Tariq Cohen and I say, I know what I'm getting from him. I know I'm getting a not a not a very good player, but I know he's gonna catch a he's gonna catch a few passes and he's gonna get some points in half PPR scoring leagues, like five to ten points, probably on a weekly basis, just because he catches a few passes. And then obviously you got that game where he gets a touchdown and he'll be in the twelve to fifteen range. But for the most part, I think he's gonna be in that range of five to ten points just because he's gonna be catching passes and getting a few yards. Yeah, I mean, I was going to start with my uh, second sure thing, but I kind of want to just respond right away. I've got on my third sure thing, I've got Tariq Cohen, but better, James White on the New England Patriots. I feel like James White is Tariq Cohen, except he just gets more catches, a little more yards, and maybe a few more touchdowns. So if you're looking for a Tariq Cohen type, I mean, Tariq Cohen, if you're looking for a sure thing, he's not a bad option late in your drafts, but I would draft White earlier than Tariq Cohen for sure. 
Also, I've got Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs really proved after a sort of rocky start that he could handle a big workload, and the Raiders started to give him a bigger workload. His passing um, ability won't be as great with Jalen Richard um, there, but or his, not his ability, his pass, his catches uh, won't be as great with Chris Carson there. But I just think that um, it's he's still a very consistent guy, and he proved, late, especially later in the season, that he could be uh, very consistent. Um, so I definitely really like him next year. Um, mm-hmm. For wide receivers, Chris, uh, can we go an episode without mentioning one of your three Ds to wide receiver draft success? No, because they're, they're the best. That's the best one, two, three punch for your fantasy team. That's it's. I mean, obviously, the best one, two, three punch would be Michael Thomas. Uh, Julio, uh, not Julio Jones. Uh, who's number two? Oh my goodness, I'm blanking. Who's our number two receiver? Devon, DeAndre Hopkins. Devontae Adams. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Devontae Adams would obviously be the best one, two, three punch. But realistically, if you still want to get good running backs, you can get someone like, if you have the number one pick, Christian McCaffrey. And then you still have the ability to get DJ Moore, Devontae Parker, and Darius Slayton, the three Ds to a solid draft at the wide receiver position and allowing you to get good guys at other positions. Darius Slayton is a great backup. He's going to be, he's definitely a sure thing to be one of the best players. I mean, one of the, the top receiver on the Giants, I say, and uh, I think that he's really built a connection. And then Devontae Parker is just a guy that's really stepped onto the scene at the end of the season last year. And I do think that he's going to have another, a big year. And then DJ Moore, mm, he's just going to be good. And that's why I have him as my number one sure thing right here. He's just a top guy. I mean, I, you may say quarterback change, blah, blah, blah. But Michael Thomas was able to perform under Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't think necessarily that Kyle Allen to Teddy Bridgewater is much of a change in the passing game. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is actually better because sure. he is similar in the passing game and just better in the, the running game. So I do like DJ Moore's value even more than he, even more than his value was last year. I actually should know this off the top of my head because I like him so much, but I don't know what he finished as last year, but I know he was a top guy and I totally expect that next year. And he's going to be putting up consistent numbers because he's going to be the number one receiver in Carolina. And I think that Matt Rule is really going to enjoy playing with him and having a tool kind of like Denzel Mims was at Baylor. And I think that he's going to have a really big season and a consistent season. Yeah, DJ Moore, definitely. I really like him. Not as much as you. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a value. But for me, this is the key to a good draft. Or not necessarily one of a good draft for me at the number one spot. I would just go RB 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 like the first three rounds, and there's no shame in that. And uh, I know this is a little off topic, and uh, Chris, I do like DJ Moore, and not to discount your theory. I mean, I know obviously Teddy Bridgewater is better than Kyle Allen. I think like DJ Moore is an upgrade. I don't think he's necessarily a value, but I think he's a good guy to draft at draft value. But like for me, my great draft would be get the number one pick, gets McCaffrey gets Chris Carson or gets Miles Sanders at 24 and Chris Carson at 25. The next two rounds, uh, Cooper cup wouldn't be there. Would he, um, you get Devonte Parker, then maybe get someone who dropped, uh, whatever wide receiver dropped in your draft, the best player available there. Then, Very no, Very not in the fifth round, not first pick of the fifth round. Do not do that. You get Devonte Parker. He's my favorite of Chris's. Yes, D. Yes. But, like Alvin. Um, Moore's going to, no, there's Bears the one D to good. success. There's a D and a C. And Alvin it's Devontae Parker and Cooper Cup. But actually, no, the D and T. It's okay, guys. From me to the audience, Calvin doesn't understand what he's talking about when he talks about DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a good... James, I mean, not, I mean, not DJ Moore. Darius Slayton. 
No, but it's so weird though, because for one of your D's I love, one of them I'm okay with, and one of them I don't. So, um, for but like as I was saying, you get Parker, who's the my number thirteen receiver. Fifth round, you get whatever receiver dropped. Then sixth and seventh, you get Russell Wilson or Prescott if he's still there. Russell Wilson and like Tyler Higby. Then you're stacked. And I promise you, you will do very well in your league this year if you do that. So I kind of hope I get the number one pick. Because imagine, you get McCaffrey, you get two other stud RBs, and then you get these, like, decent wide receivers, too. You get a top-tier tight end in Tyler Higby who can eclipse that top tier. And but you wouldn't, get you rather, wouldn't you say, Calvin, you would rather have McCaffrey more and then uh, and then Chris Carson on your team or Miles Sanders? No, because if there's McCaffrey one of those, like, if Chris Carson – if I have two RBs that I like as work workhorse to mostly workhorse guys who can be efficient next year, if I have three of those, if those guys are still available, I'm going to draft them first three rounds because the RBs just drop off after like number 17, they're just gone or maybe 18, uh, probably 18, 17 or 18. They just completely drop off. And I would try to make sure to get at least two um, before you're done drafting RBs for a while. I will try, I try to get three and sometimes I can do triple RB where I get like, two guys and then like first and second then Chris Carson in the third who is a great value if you want to go RB 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 but like I mean I think RBs are especially important in this year's draft and the wide receiver class is so deep and so good that I think you can you don't have to prioritize that by drafting DJ Moore in the second round yeah and I guess I agree because you said you can yes Darius Slayton you you can always get Darius Slayton as your <sighs> Wide receiver too. That's a very solid pick. Okay, let's move on. And wide, uh, my second, my second guy that's a sure thing for wide receiver is Adam Thielen. And my third is Michael Pittman. And I'm gonna say Adam Thielen here because he is so consistent with Kirk Cousins. He has a great connection between the two. And I think that with with Stephon Diggs gone, it's gonna really just open up Adam Thielen's game. They added Justin Jefferson, so I'm not gonna, I'm not sure how that's gonna fact factor in because he could take away some targets from uh, Adam Thielen. But I do think that Adam Thielen will – I mean, Justin Jefferson will take away some targets, but those targets I think are going to be the targets that Stefan Diggs had. I think that he's going to kind of take over Stefan Diggs' targets, and Adam Thielen's going to remain around the same. He's going to be a low a, a low-end wide receiver one to a – a mid or a mid-tier wide receiver two to a low-end wide receiver one next year, and that's a sure thing. So I have him here, and then my third. I know I'm talking a lot, but Michael Pittman Jr. And you may be saying, why do you have a rookie in your sure things? This is the only rookie that I feel confident in to perform. I know that he's going to be a guy that Philip Rivers is going to look to, and that he's going to be the number two wide receiver in Indy, but it's not going to be by much. I think that T.Y. Hilton is going to be good. But I actually no. think that Michael Pittman will be pretty close to him. And that's just because I think that Michael Pittman is a really consistent guy. And I think that Philip Rivers is going to like having a younger guy. And he's going to be put right into a number two wide receiver role. So you can trust him to put up some good fantasy numbers. And this might not, you might not like this, Calvin, but I actually don't mind Philip Rivers, T.Y. Hilton, and Michael Pittman next year. I like Pittman. I hate. T.Y. and Rivers. As we're going to talk about later, I couldn't bring myself to even put Rivers in my top 25. I couldn't even put him as my number 25 QB because I hate him for fantasy so much. Then T.Y., we've talked about this injury risk, his target share going down, and the way he gets his fantasy points is because of deep targets. He's like my number 32 receiver. Don't get T.Y. Hilton or Darius Slayton as your wide receiver too. Darius Slayton's actually way lower than Hilton. And I agree with you that I think Pittman may get close to T.Y., 
but it may be more, it's probably partly because of Pittman and partly because of T.Y. It's not just all because of Pittman for me, but um, I do like, I do like Pittman and I think he's a good, I'd actually a good pick for sure things. And now I will rattle off my three wide receiver sure things. And the first one is so, so creative. It's Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas is, was clearly the number one wide receiver last year. He's going to clearly be it this year. Top quarterback, top offense. We're good with that. Allen Robinson is my second, and he's a guy that I pretty much talk about every single episode. And we talked about this a few episodes ago. Allen Robinson, if you are listening to this show, and I don't, I hate to bring back the if you're listening to this show, but I'm just going to do it once. If you're listening to this show, Allen Robinson, you have a standing invite to come on anytime. Or actually, if any of NFL players listening to this show, you have a standing invite to come. Um, to come on, especially Allen Robinson though. And Allen Robinson is just his consistent target share. He's not only one of the best players to draft at a value, good value. He's one of the best sure things because of his amazing target share. I just love the targets that he's going to get in that offense. It's going to be top tier, maybe even top five in the league. It's just the more that I think about it, the more that I love it. He has a really soft wide receiver schedule next year too. So I'm really happy about that. And I'm going to be looking for him in my drafts if I don't go RB, RB, RB. First three rounds. Um, my last one is Cole mm-hmm. Beasley. He's a guy I have outside of my top 60. And um, I actually have him. I'll talk about him later in the uh, undrafted segment. Uh, I have him slightly outside of my top 60, but he's so consistent. And with the addition of Stefan Diggs, I believe Cole Beasley was like wide receiver 35 last year. He may drop just outside the top 60 with this good wide receiver class, but he'll be putting up consistent fantasy points week after week. Josh Allen has a rapport with him. He's gonna. He has a good target share. And I think he'll be putting up top 60 wide receiver numbers um, in a decent amount of weeks next season. He'll probably have a couple games where he puts up like top 40 or a few games like that. Uh, But he'll just be sitting super consistently outside of the top 60. And he's not only a very sure thing, he's just a very consistent guy from week to week. But Chris, so question for you. Um, I I was talking about with Allen Robinson. So like we obviously want him on the show the most, but if Hmm. any NFL player comes on, is listening to this, which one would you want most? Actually, if any NFL player, yeah, if any NFL player currently is listening to this, who would you want most on the show? Hmm. Would it be see. Darius Slayton? <laughs> I, I would love for anyone to come on. Yeah, no, everyone can come on except uh, Darius Slayton. No, I'm of course I'm kidding. Darius Slayton can come I'd on. I'd say. Hmm. I feel like it'd be awkward to have an NFL player on the show who were like, we hate you in fantasy. Like, uh, who who do we both hate? Um, I'm trying to remember. Overvalued. I'd like to have, this, this is kind of a fun one, but I'd like to have Larry Fitzgerald. That would be fun. Oh, this is another guy we're going to talk about later. But Larry Fitzgerald, is that's cool because he's got a lot of experience and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of experience, which I think is really cool. And I'd like to talk to someone who's been through so many years. Yeah, is that, unlike Darius Slayton. I think everyone except Darius Slayton can come on the show. But um, no, of course, of course he can come on. Uh, but yeah, I've given you my three wide receivers, and we'll go to tight end. And Chris, uh, my your two sure things I somewhat agree with, but I don't. I think I completely do. So here, I'll hear you. Why don't you justify them? Uh, my first one is Jared Cook, and I think that he's just a really consistent guy. You can trust him to get a few touchdowns every single season, and you know that he's going to get some yards. Drew Brees likes to look at him a lot. I mean, he's kind of that guy that that's there, that's consistent. It's not he's not Michael Thomas, but he's consistently getting a a solid target share, and he's gonna get a few targets. He gets some yards because he likes to run a a lot of seam routes. And then you got 
him he's a huge red zone target so you can count him in on him for a few touchdowns throughout the season maybe at least one every two or three games so I mean he's just a guy that you can trust overall I very much like having him as my tight end I think that as the season went on he became Drew Brees started to throw to him more and he became more important to the offense and I think that that trend is going to continue next year so I do I think that he's pretty sure thing that he's going to be a good tight end next year yeah I think with Jared Cook I agree somewhat I think the touchdown regression that people are predicting with Jared Cook won't be as big as people think and the reason is just because Drew Brees likes to look at him in the red zone he's the classic red zone tight end so I don't understand yes he'll may he may lose a couple touchdowns but I don't understand why people are so quick to write him off just because he might lose a couple because he's not going to lose while he scored a lot of touchdowns last year he's not going to lose that many and he's still going to have an above average number and with touchdown regression it seems like a lot of the analysts in the industry are just predicting everyone will have average amounts of touchdowns in a normal season, which is incorrect because there's people who are better at scoring touchdowns than others. Like Julio Jones is not as good as scoring touchdowns, but he gets yards that like almost break records every single season. So, or uh, I guess not almost break records, but like he's one of the most consistent yard getters of like 1400 yards a season each, uh, each season. And it's like Jared Cook, his touchdown number will be above average because he's better at scoring touchdowns and Drew Brees likes to look at him there. He may lose a couple because he did get a little lucky, but it's just like he, he's – it's not going to be as bad as people think. So that's why I agree with you somewhat on that. Um, so we have a chat in Zoom, and uh, I have to mention this before um, – before people start wondering why I start sounding like I'm laughing. So first Chris joined our Zoom meeting with the name Yo Mama. And then he said, what did you say? Who's Joe? Um, and I'm not really sure what he's trying to say. He's probably trying to trick me into saying uh, something. Uh, but uh, I am not. I don't really know. Um, also, uh, yeah, at the beginning, if Chris sounded like he was laughing, it's because I texted darn at the very beginning. So just just letting you know about the chat. So if I suddenly start like he's making fun of my of my bad speaking in the, in the, in the beginning of the podcast at one point. <laughs> Something about touchdowns. I don't know. Let's no, I was continue. just saying darn just to say darn. I wasn't making fun of you, I don't think. Oh, I, I thought don't you were making remember fun because I, I messed up at the beginning. No, I wasn't making fun. <laughs> okay. I just said darn. <laughs> just to, I don't know what. I just said darn. <laughs> okay, George Kittle is a sure thing next year. I mean, it's pretty obvious. If you don't have George Kittle, it's a sure thing. Oh, you, must be, you must be a Calvin species because so broad. George Kittle's a top guy. And he's a what really good run blocker, and he's a really good team player. Okay, well, that that was – I mean, no, Chris, I like your analysis here. I'm just saying that sped up, like, throughout the whole thing. And both of the times it's been speeding up, it was, like, through guys that have, like, top fantasy production and are, obviously do, which is good. But I think – and George Kill, I really agree with you on. I think he's not the most consistent guy, but, like – um. Yeah. He's like you said. He's a good run blocker and team player and stuff. He's gonna. He's gonna consistently have a. He's gonna have a consistent role in the offense. I think. Yeah. No. I mean, but the reason I was just saying what the heck was just because it was speeding up a lot for some reason. But yeah, he's gonna <laughs> yeah, have I a. Consi- I think he'll have a pretty consistent role in the offense, and he'll be the number one target. Which is what for tight ends. If the guy is the number one target, that's great, and he's top tier automatically, no matter what. That's why you see uh, little knowns like Tyler Higby rising up. Well, I guess he's not necessarily the number one in the offense, but he was for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I like George Kittle too. I think the injury risk is something to worry about a little, but I think he'll be fine and overcome that. And he was playing with an injury last year, so he may even get better this season, which would kind of be mm-hmm. crazy. 
Um, okay. I like Darren yeah. Darren Waller. Calvin, who's your uh, your sure thing? Uh, I like Darren Waller as a sure thing. Um, Darren Waller, he's gonna be the number one target in that offense, which, like I said, is so important for tight ends. Um, he doesn't always get the most catches in a game, but I think with the addition of Henry Ruggs in the draft. Um, that'll help. He'll stretch the field, and that'll help Waller get out of some of those double teams that he was facing earlier in the season or in throughout the 2019 season. So I think Waller will be helped by that, and his target share may go up because Carr may see him, Derek Carr may see him open more and look to him even more. Also, I like Kyle Rudolph as a sure thing. He's not one of my favorite players. He actually, I think, is a good value in next year's draft, but his floor is very high. His ceiling is very low because with all the targets in the offense and with Irv Smith emerging, I feel like um uh, I feel like Kyle Rudolph is just one of the best. He's maybe even a mid-tier tight end too. His floor is just so high, and I think with Irv Smith, um, Irv Smith may take over some targets, but Kyle Rudolph's never completely going away, and that's why you're we're gonna be pretty sure that he's gonna finish at least top twenty-four next season, almost for sure. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you, Calvin. I think that's a pretty much a sure thing. Yeah. Um. Sorry. I think Chris and Mike continues to do that speeding up thing. It might be on my end, but um, I'm not really sure why. I hope it gets fixed soon. Uh. So I think. Yeah, but I I like how Rudolph next year anyway. And we'll go to risky players. Very risky. So uh, we'll start uh with Chris and Chris. So I mean, I you, we've we've got two at quarterback, and so we'll start with you. Who's your first risky player at quarterback for fantasy? My first risky player at quarterback, it's got to be Ben Roethlisberger, just because I think that he's coming back from an injury, so I think that's just going to cause some kind of trouble. I mean, he's an old guy. He's a vet now. I'm he's been playing for a while, and he's and he's getting old. I mean, he doesn't have the greatest wide receiver core. And I just think that he's really risky, but he could be good depending on how he rebounds from his injury. Yeah, I agree. I think Roethlisberger, um, it's very risky because the injury, he's so old now. And like basically what you, I'm basically agreeing with what you said, but like his age is a factor. His injury is a factor. We don't know if he'll come back and be the same player he was. If he was is cl- even close to that, I think he could be great for fantasy, but he's one of the biggest risks. And I think he is for the most part, a risk worth taking. My first risky player is Daniel Jones. And uh, Daniel Jones, for me, it's just, the question is whether he'll take that big step forward in year two. He's got the weapons to do it. But last year, he was a bit inconsistent. So he's more of, it's not risky in terms of fantasy points that he'll put up next season. But I think week to week, he may be one of the more inconsistent quarterbacks there is, like he was last year. So I think that might be something you need to watch out for next year. So Chris, who have you got at your next quarterback? Uh, my next quarterback is Deshaun Watson, just because I I think that he's also really risky. I don't know if you can trust him with this whole situation of DeAndre Hopkins leaving, because he, we don't know how he's going to be able to for, perform without his number one receiver. I mean, we've never seen him play without him, so I think that his running game is going to have to be really good next year. But that's what worries me, because I don't know if he can take that step up to be as good as he was without DeAndre Hopkins, and you don't really know if he's going to be able to or if he's not going to be able to. And he could, I could see him. I mean, if you told me that he was number 12 at the end of the season because he wasn't as good as DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I could also see him being a top four guy just depending on how he rebounds. So he's just a guy that I wouldn't trust taking in a fantasy draft. He's really risky. 
Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson is one of the players that has, I mean, I guess we're doing risky players, but he's one of the players that has a really variable fantasy value. I don't think he could finish at number 12. His talent will keep him up there in the QB1 tier, but I think that there's a chance he finishes more at like number seven or eight, and then there's a chance he finishes top four. I think he's my, he's my number six QB right now. Um, there's five guys I like better, obviously. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. But it's it's hard to judge Watson, especially without his top receiver. I think he's talented enough to handle it somewhat, and he won't completely fall apart, but he might lose a little bit of fantasy production because of that. Um, so my mm-hmm. next risky player is Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford, for me, is a risky player because of his injury risk. His injury risk, just the past few years, is just – his back injury has kept flaring up. And during the first half of last season, he was really good. And if we can confirm that he's not going to get hurt the whole season, he's a top eight quarterback for sure. It's just that Stafford's injuries have been coming up year after year. And I have no reason to think that they have gone away. So it's just very, he's a very risky player. And I think he might be a little bit of an overvalue because people overhype his first half stats. Um, so we'll Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think that Matthew Stafford, a guy that, Really, his injury risk is what's holding him back, and otherwise, I think that he would actually be a sure thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, he he actually probably would be a sure thing, honestly. There's a lot of guys like that in here where if it wasn't the injury risk, mm-hmm. they'd be a sure thing. Running back, um, Chris, we'll start with you, and uh, I know you've got a guy that I really love next year, but that I don't think is a sure thing. Uh, I'm gonna have to say Joe Mixon, and I, don't get me wrong. Talent-wise, Joe Mixon is not a risk. He's a very talented guy. I think that he's in a okay situation. Bengals have had a pretty trashy offensive line, but I think that this year it'll be a little better with somewhat of a passing game. I think that Joe Mixon is a risky player because of his holdout risk, and that's really the only reason I can put him as a risky player because he said he is preparing to hold out. And whenever a player says they're preparing to hold out, I mean, obviously they're I don't know if there's any fantasy drafts coming up yet. This is too early. But if I was drafting now, Joe Mixon is a very risky player because I don't know what's going to happen and if he's going to be able to play at the start of the season. That's something I disagree with you on. I feel like almost all holdouts end in the guy coming back before the season. And I feel like Mixon's going to be no different. There's no reason for me to believe that Mixon's going to sit out week one. Um, And so especially with that nice new offense that the Bengals have got. I mean, Mixon, the Bengals can't afford not to give Mixon a contract. And I think they'll get it done by week one. Most holdouts end fine. And his talent is great. So I I haven't really been undervaluing him yet. Come mid-August, maybe I start to worry a little bit. But I think for now, I'm, I'm fine with Mixon as my uh, RB9 and number 10 overall. And he's close to being a top five guy. It's just that there's eight guys that I really love as well. Um, Leonard, Leonard mm-hmm. Fournette is a risk for me. And the, this guy, Fournette, Fournette and my next risk are guys who just are risks because of their injury uh, potential. Fournette, Fournette actually went a full season last year without getting hurt, which was the first time he's done that. And I think it's something with LSU running backs. You've got Fournette and you've got Darius Geis who just, like, get hurt all the time. And I don't know if I can trust Fournette to stay healthy next year, which is Wait, why he is Edward a bit Hilaire? of uh, is Oh, Edward no, not Hilaire Edward. I was saying hurt? Darius Geis and Fournette. I know, but, but is, that a, is that a sign of things to come for Hilaire? Oh, maybe. Maybe since Edward Hilaire came, Fournette will be not hurt anymore. That'd be interesting. Maybe. Um, or maybe Hilaire will end up hurt just like everyone else. That was kind of because everyone says Edward Zillaire. So you're like, so maybe Hilaire. <laughs> it was kind of, it sounded a little bit odd, but um, it's fine. Um, it's Ed, it's actually Edward Zillaire because you got to use both of his last names, of course. But um, the, mm-hmm. 
All right. Any, anyway, I don't, I don't know why I brought that up. Chris, we'll go with to you with your next sure thing. Or no, risky player. This, or this is an obvious one, David Johnson, just because we don't know if he's going to be able to show up. I mean, the Cardinals benched him for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake's Drake. good. Kenyon Drake is good, but David Johnson was not supposed to be worse than Kenyon Drake. Yeah, that's true. Like, but, in when David Johnson was good, he was a better player than Kenyon Drake. Yes, but no, Kenyon Drake, the reason he was bad mostly was because of, and we could not go an episode without mentioning it, Adam Gase's offense. And um, yes, th- there's nothing more that needs to be said about that. We know how good Drake is, and we talked about it mm-hmm. in the past few episodes. But like, David Johnson was supposed to be good, but he really wasn't last year, so I don't know mm-hmm. how that's going to transfer over with him going to the Texans, and if he's going to be able to perform like he did with the Cardinals a few years ago, or if we're going to see a repeat of last year where he just really has... No impact, and obviously that leads to no NFL and no fancy impact as well. Yeah, it's just it's it's so hard to predict, and he's one of those guys where it's like, actually, I guess he is a bit of an injury risk too. He had that injury early in his career. I mean, we don't know if he was fully healthy last year. So, yeah, that's interesting. He is a very big risk, and uh, um, Todd Gurley is another big risk, and there's like the. A, quite a few guys who are elite when they're on the field at, for RBs, but they're not always on the field. Gurley has, there's been very negative reports coming from Atlanta about his knee. And I'm not really confident that he'll be able to sort it out in time for the regular season. I totally agree with you on this one, Calvin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's going to be load management issues and all of that stuff. So I think you, you definitely got to worry about Gurley next year. Um, And wait a second. I, we've, it's been a long time coming. So my cat just came in and she's meowing. And why don't we have her say hi on the podcast? I'm going to see if I can pull this off with my headset. Come over okay, here. Let's see it. Come over here. Did you get that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was on. All right. We'll get that. We got it. So That's you're a baby. star. You're a star, baby. Baby, you're a star. Uh, I don't think she she didn't respond, but she came in and started meowing. Um, But she's now a star. I'm sorry if you don't like cats, but. I mean, she is a star, and she's a great cat. But anyway, um, Todd Gurley, um, he, I think the Falcons, even if he's not hurt, the Falcons, to prevent him from getting hurt, might use the load management tactic that Sean McVay used in Los Angeles. And Sean McVay's a smart guy, so I feel like with the load management, he must have had a reason for doing it. Meanwhile, Adam Gase's yeah. load management with Le'Veon Bell, there seems to be absolutely no reason at all to do it, and this, this, thus Le'Veon Bell's fantasy value gets hurt a lot. So, mm-hmm. oh, she's back. Uh, let's. Oh no, she's not. We might just feel with cat noises door. in the background the entire episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can hear it because it's far away from my thingy, uh, my mic. But but she's sees a closed door and is now um yelling. But there's nobody inside there. So <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. My final risky running back is Melvin Gordon. And oh yeah, this one was a tough one for me. And as I say this, I kind of rethink it a little bit. But I just think that. We don't know how the situation is going to look in Denver. He had a, he struggled with yards per carry when he was in Los Angeles, actually. And now he has Philip Lindsay who takes away from his passing game. Even Royce Freeman could play a role in this. So I just don't know how it's work out. It's going to work out. He's a guy that's risky and that I'm not drafting next year. Yeah, I'm not drafting Gordon either. I mean, he's not the biggest risk because he's got an okay floor because he's going to – obviously, the Broncos are paying him $10 million a year. He's going to get at least something. But Philip Lindsay's going to take more carries, I think, than people think. And I completely agree with you, Chris, on this one. I've also got Jonathan Taylor as a risk. And Jonathan Taylor, just because of Marlon Mack being there – if Marlon Mack wasn't there, I would put Taylor as a top 15 RB for sure, even in his rookie season. But with Mack there, we don't know how that carry split's going to work. Mack obviously has injury risk. If he gets hurt, it's great for Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value value but 
if Mac stays on the field, it could be a full 50-50 split because Mac is a pretty talented player. So Taylor, for years to come, I think if you play Dynasty, which we do not, Taylor's a great pick. But like in his rookie year, maybe not so much. So just be a little wary, and people might overdraft him next year for the potential. He's very a very risky player. And um, I mean, there can be excuses to draft Taylor, but I just think it's possible that if his draft stock soars too much over the summer, that uh, there is not a, that it's not good that it, it's not good to draft him next year. Um, so we'll go to wide receivers. And Chris, your first one, risky. I don't really think I agree with. Um, so wait, I think. Oh shoot, wait. I think Chris is not. Chris Mike must not be on. So I'll edit this part out later. But yeah. Um. So. Yeah, my first wide receiver as a risky thing. It's Justin Jefferson. And I talked about Adam Thielen earlier as a sure thing. Justin Jefferson is just the opposite because I'm pretty sure that Adam Thielen is locked in as a slot player that can, he's going to be the number one wide receiver for the Vikings. And Justin Jefferson, who I said played 99% in the slot when he was with uh, Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. And I don't think that I'm curious how that's going to work out. And I think that that makes him a risky player because if that does not work out, then the Vikings are in trouble because he's going to, it's going to be like having two players doing the same thing and that's going to hurt his fantasy value as well. So I just think he's the risk to pick up in your draft. For me, I mean, I disagree with this one. And for me, it's because I think Jefferson is capable of playing outside. 92.3% contested catch rate in college. I think that was last season. Um, I think shows that he can catch those deep balls like Stefan Diggs can. Um, And I think also part of the reason that he didn't play outside more in LSU is because they had receivers there that they could use, like Jamar Chase, for example. So I think he didn't really need to play outside. And he's so talented. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's not going to have the experience, though. He's not going to have the experience of playing outside. So it's going to take at least a year to get you can't just go from a college slot receiver to an NFL outside wide receiver deep threat like that's just not necessarily it doesn't match up in year one so I think I, you can do I, that in year one if your talent is talented as Justin Jefferson I think you can do that in year one not in year one that's, that's year where one. I disagree not in year one I agree in year I agree with myself in year one mm-hmm. and I disagree but I, I actually do have Justin Jefferson a little bit high higher rank than Calvin actually though but I I think oh, I might lower okay. that I see. So I think I was overvaluing all the, the rookie wide receivers, but I'm not really sure. I just don't think that – I don't – if that situation does work out, it'll be great for Justin Jefferson, but I don't know if it will. I so, think it we'll will. See. So um, okay. – and I, I hear you tilting first. It's like there is no way he can do it in year one. Then it's like, I don't know. No, I'm, I mean, I'm just kidding. But I think uh, – I disagree with you on Justin Jefferson, and this might be one of our fun disagreements in the offseason. Now that one has gone away, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I moved Drew Brees up in my rankings. So, Chris, you can have your little celebration. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. Let's go, Drew Brees. You already know. If you guys haven't listened, we did a debate episode, and I basically shredded Calvin in the <laughs> Drew Brees debate. Well, I shredded like him was, with Allen Robinson. There though. was no question who won the Drew Brees debate. It was – honestly, that was the best debate of the entire thing because I absolutely shredded Calvin. Okay, I shredded you on. with Alan Robinson. Not as bad as I shredded you with Drew Brees. I shredded you with Tyler Higby too. Um, but I, I we'll move on. Uh, so I guess I gotta go with my first one. And this is the guy who I think there's risk there, but that the risk, or I guess, yeah, Chris, I guess what you said about Jefferson that doesn't necessarily. You said he was risky. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't like him. So. Mm-hmm. But I guess you don't like him probably as much as me. Um, my first risk is a guy I do like is Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey may not even be ready for week one. 
But once he's out there on the field, the Eagles fully intend, I believe, to use him as their number one receiver. Yes, they've got two great tight ends, but I think Carson Wentz will be looking to Jeffrey. And they've got at least some sort of a rapport, even though Jeffrey's been off the field for a while. So he's a risk. But, but seeing how low he's going in drafts, I mean, in mock drafts, I've been seeing him go around number like 50 wide receiver, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, so I think you can get Jeffrey in a nice spot. Oh, I have him at like 37. Or no, not 37. Where do I have him? I'm trying to remember. I might have him at around – I think I have him at 37, somewhere around top. 40. I can check for you. For you. Let me see. Um, what is, where does Calvin have Alshon Jeffrey? I think I have him at like 37. That's what I'm remembering. Wow. Exactly right. 37. Wow. And that's good yeah. memory. Yeah. I mean, 37 is just ahead of C.D. Lamb, I believe, at 38. But um, Jeffrey, I, he's a big right. risk. But who's, he's a, who's, before, who's before Alshon Jeffrey, Calvin? Um, who's testing. before Alshon Jeffrey? Uh, I have Jefferson at 35 and Judy at 34. Or no, J- Jefferson at 34, Judy at 35. So who's 36? Um, I don't remember. Just come on. What? Marvin Jones. Oh, Marvin Jones, right. He's a nice value pick. But Jeffrey, I'm just saying, even if you don't like Jeffrey as much as me, there's still a spot because of the injury risk and because people haven't seen him in Philly all that much. It's just they might undervalue him. So even if you don't like him as much as me, I think you can still get him at a value uh, for your draft. Um, So, yeah, I like Jeffrey next year. And, Chris, mm-hmm. what do you want to next? Yeah, I guess you could say you like him. I, I, I don't necessarily like him because I don't like the risk or actually, I don't know. I, I don't mind Alshon Jeffrey. I'm kind of just even on him. Wouldn't really take a, a stance. But my next risky wide receiver is Julian Edelman because I think this one is pretty obvious. We just don't know how the quarterback situation is going to look. We don't know if they're going to like throwing to Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman could struggle. He could be great. We don't really know. So I think that he's just an overall risky player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, wait, no. Why did I say yeah? I don't think he's a risky player. I think he's actually a sure thing almost because with his target share that he's going to receive in Jarrett Stidham's offense, I think he won't be nearly as good as he was. You don't know that. But the the target, he has a high floor. He's going to have a high floor. Who else are they going to throw to? I do know that. I just don't know that that team is going to have no offense. That's what I'm worried about. And I don't think that even Julian Edelman can work through that offense. And I just – that's why it's a risk for me because he – I mean, I guess, yeah, what you're saying, he could end up, like, top 24 if that offense does well and Jared Stidham loves to throw to him. But he could easily crash and burn and end up in, like, number 40. I mean, you never he's really gonna, know. He, I don't think he'll crash and burn. There's no way he completely crashes and burns. He, I think I have him at, I have like him at 26. 30. I, have him at, I have him at 39. Why did we not do this as a rankings debate? What the heck? Actually, I think I have him at like 29 or 30 or something. But still, we should have done this as a rankings debate. I don't think Julian Edelman is going to completely crash and burn. He's got a nice floor for me. I don't think his ceiling's all that high, though. That's the thing. But um, You have him at 26? Wait, Calvin, you're telling me that you think Julian Edelman is one spot below Adam Thielen. There's a big drop off from, or not a huge drop off. Adam Thielen is. And you're you're telling me I I need to look at this ranking. You're telling me that Adam Thielen is worse than Tyler Boyd, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, and Juju. Adam Thielen. Uh, I mean maybe not worse than Juju, or maybe not worse than Tyler Boyd. I'll move him up a couple spots. But and I, I, Cortland I'm, Sutton, DK Metcalf, okay. DJ Chark. I mean I'm Calvin that. Ridley. I'll, I'll move up Thielen a couple spots. That's that's really low. Okay, we it is a little bit low. It's not that low. I'm feeling at 11. What? What? 11. That's insane. The very highest I could possibly imagine him is 14. 
But even that's a, I don't know. There's 13 okay, guys that I would you. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to include other other sites' rankings. I'm going to bring up the Fantasy Pros rankings just because they make a lot of different Fantasy Rankers rankings, right? Um, and we're going to see what where, they, where, where the majority of people well, think. Well, I don't just base be, my rankings is, off of Fantasy Pros. I know, I know, but but he's number 12 on Fantasy Pros. Number 12. The worst anyone has him is 27. And, you and I have him at 25, 25, so we're fine. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> what's been, the uh, highest? Wait, I want to hear the highest, because the highest is always a little ridiculous to me. What's the highest? Six. Enemy? What? Six. Six? I, oh my gosh, six. But he is not, he's definitely top 20. Definitely top twenty. No way you can have him. You're trying to tell me, Calvin, that these people are better than are better than Adam Thielen, AJ Brown. Mr. To my, oh wait, no, this is my rankings. Oops. You're telling me that these people are these people are better than uh, Adam Thielen. Oh, you're right. He's not. He's better. Than read this easily. Ready? Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett. Maybe. Robert Woods. Maybe. AJ Brown. Okay. Well, okay. I'm, I'll move him up to mid wide receiver two. Calvin yeah, Ridley. I, I admit. Okay, I admit, that, I admit. I admit that I misranked him. Keenan Allen. Number twelve is a little. DJ Chark. DK Metcalf. Okay. Cortland Sutton. Tyler Boyd. Juju Smith-Schuster. Please, Calvin. Some of those guys. Okay. Here's the thing. Most of those guys, you have. You can actually make a case for them ahead of Thielen. Juju, you can't. So I'm just saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll at least move him ahead of Juju, and I'll probably move him up bunch of spots up but i'm not putting him at 11 i'll move him maybe to 18 and i'm definitely not putting him at six who why would you put him at six there's 13 guys who can be easily ahead of him for me that he's 14 at most so yeah that, I'm, i apologize most, i mean the, okay okay I'll, I'll move up adam Thielen. don't worry about it. um okay. so now, wow, we've had these big debates right before we get into my risky player, who is Darius Slayton, and who is not worth the risky draft pick. Darius Slayton's stock is going to fly oh up this goodness. summer, and it should not be flying up. Chris is like, look at the end of the season stats for Darius Slayton, and I'm like, look at who is playing then. And ba- basically no receiver in the Giants' offense was. So that's why Daniel Jones was looking to Slayton. Daniel Jones has just mu- as much of a rapport as with Slayton as he does with Sh- Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. So Slayton may settle in as a fifth, fourth or fifth option, which is not good for fantasy production. I've got him at around 40. There's a chance that he does oh, pretty well, but he's a very risky player that I wouldn't risk. And I think people might move him up too high. Um, he's, his, I see him, his stock possibly soaring um, in the summer when it should not be. So, um, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's for me. Chris, Chris is probably seething over there. Uh, Chris, your thoughts? I can't. Calvin, I, I, the only thing I can say to you, Darius Slayton is gonna be really good next year, and I. The only argument I can't you wait. have. That is the one. Calvin, Calvin, <laughs> I, I am telling you, by the end of the season, you will be so shocked by how good he is. So shocked. You have him at like twenty five. I'm gonna move him up. I'm gonna. I've got to move him up from twenty nine. What? what? Oh my gosh. Okay. Can't take it. And he's he's different. He's better than <laughs> oh, DJ I'm Chark. In the smog of bad takes. Oh. Better than DJ Chark. Better than DK Metcalf. He's better than AJ Green, and he's better than Robert Woods. He's not better than DK Metcalf or Robert Woods or DJ Chark. Not AJ yes, Green either. 
He's better than AJ Green. We can agree no, on that. He's not. AJ Green is a, like a top 10 wide receiver. Okay, anyways. Guys, I promise. I will do an entire episode explaining how right I was about Darius Slayton and Drew Brees at the end of the year. Okay? Well, I I, I'll do I it, it. Even if you're not right, which you won't be. Oh, guys, I, I, will, I am making this promise right here. Episode 14. That if Darius Slayton cool. and Drew Brees are insane, I will make it a segment in one of our podcasts. Go ahead, You'll make okay. it a segment? Go what ahead. if I don't let you make it a segment? Yes, we'll, we will discuss an entire segment about how right I was about Drew Brees and Darius Slayton. Hmm. Okay, well, we have okay. to put a thing on the other end of that bet. Who are the guys that... Oh, you, how about we do, on your end, Darius Slayton... Wait, no, Drew Brees. I agreed with you on Drew Brees. You convinced me on Drew Brees, so oh, that's fine. Oh, okay, well, yeah. How about okay. Darius Slayton and Austin there... Eckler? And then I'll do mine on Kenyon Drake... And uh, let's see, who's my? I'm trying to think of another one that we can do. I don't mind Kenyon Drake though. I think Kenyon Drake will be good. Mm, oh, I see. Now that I threaten to make a segment, it's like, oh, I think he'll be good now. <laughs> um, but I like Kenyon Drake more than you do for sure. But um, okay, so we talked about Alan Slayton. Robinson. Alan Robinson. Alan Robinson. Oh yes, Alan Robinson and uh, who else? Um, we got to put a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 let's see. Allen Robinson and hmm hmm hmm. I can't think. I think when we were looking through running backs for rankings disputes, there really weren't many. We'll we'll think about this. We don't need to waste any more time. But I'm just mm-hmm. I, okay. So I think uh my your Chris your last guy is Anthony Miller. Yeah, and I think that Anthony Miller is just risky because of the quarterback play. I actually think that Anthony Miller is a good player, which I think he could have a good season. It's just Mitchell Trubisky is not a good quarterback, so that really stops really? him from going, coming to his true potential. And I think that Anthony Miller would be good if he had a better quarterback. So I think that he's either going to be good because of his talent or bad because of the quarterback play, and that's why he's risky because you don't know which he's going to be. I think he'll be decent. And what I, my theory about bad quarterbacks is that they can only support one elite fantasy wide receiver, which is Allen Robinson. Miller will be decent, though. He's not going to be elite. He'll be decent. He'll have some good games. He'll have some trash games. And uh, if Nick Foles comes in, though, Nick Foles, if he plays like the good Nick Foles, then I actually really like Anthony Miller. Yeah. I kind of disagree with you. I think he's a nice player to have. And um, I don't but, think – Yeah, because he's risky. He's a nice player to have because he's risky, because he could be good, but he's a risk. I think he's a little bit of a risk, not as big. Of, I mean, he's got a decent floor. Um, I'll yeah, give you. Okay. Oh, here's a risk that we can agree on: Deshaun Jackson, the biggest deep yeah, threat in the game, or the biggest uh, zero catches for zero yards guy. Yeah, he's he's the biggest boomer bust. You yeah, can so find. he's a just borderline top Maybe 50 other guy. Than if you're John looking Ross, for a John fifth, Ross, the only other guy. say you're looking for a fifth wide receiver who. This is the situation. So you're like last round, you're like, I need a wide receiver. My wide, re- I have Darius Slayton on my team. I need some depth. So um, you're, you're like looking around and you see Deshaun Jackson still there, which he should be in the very last round. He, he probably will be, honestly. Um, you grab him. Then he's facing the worst pass defense in the league. I'm trying to think, who will that be? Maybe the Eagles. The Eagles have a pretty bad pass defense. So let's say they're playing the Eagles. And then Rager, Jalen Rager, before the game, is scratched. So Deshaun Jackson lines up across, and Alshon Jeffrey's not back from his injury yet. So Alshon Jeff or Deshaun Jackson lines up outside like always, and he will be the only guy there, and he will be. And Chris is spamming me in the chat. He says, "Living it up, am, am I right?" LOL, boah ha ha. Don't discuss this, please. But J- Jackson lines up in the slot, 
or not in the slot, on the outside. I keep saying in the slot. They snap, fire away, 70-yard touchdown. Then he's already got – oh, I see. I see. He says, just let it sink in that I will be right about Slayton. I'm not even going to listen. But he just fires it, 70-yard touchdown, boom, 13-and-a-half fantasy points in half PPR leagues. So And suddenly he's got a decent game. So if you want to throw him in for that situation where he's got a great matchup, go be my guest. And he'll have a couple games where he's going to be a top-12 wide receiver. He'll have most games where he's not in the top 50. But um, mm-hmm. So we'll go to tight end now. And Chris, your risky player is a guy that I almost put as a sure thing, which is going to be a fun debate. It's Zach Gertz because Dallas Goddard has the potential to take over for Zach Gertz, I think. And I don't know. Last year, we didn't see Zach Gertz be that good. But I do think that if he remains as the top tight end and in Philadelphia and kind of pushes away Dallas Goddard by showing that he's still that number one guy, then I think that he could be good. I'm not saying that Zachers won't be good, but I also think that he could be bad because I think that there's the potential that, that, that Dallas Goddard, who is very talented, could take over for him. So he's just a really big risk, and it's not a risk that I'm willing to take this year. No, well, I think I, I'm going to disagree with you on this, and it's Ertz. I don't like Ertz either. I don't like him. I think he's a bad value. But I'm just saying, I think he's one of the biggest sure things because even when Zach Ertz was getting taken over by Dallas Goddard, he was still doing pretty well. And I think his floor is pretty safe in Philly's offense. His ceiling is not. His ceiling is going nowhere. But I like his floor, and the floor is what we're talking about for sure things. The guys who will produce at a nice spot pretty much each and every week. And I think Zach Ertz will be consistently mid-tier tight end. His floor is good until Dallas comes under it. No, 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 no. His floor is good. Until Dallas Goddard comes under it and punches a hole through it, and then he falls through it. Dallas, Dallas Goddard's, Goddard's not going to completely take over. You're acting like Zach Ertz isn't I'm not, he's not going to, but, but Zach Ertz, he will get targets. But I'm saying that I, I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a 50-50 target split between the two. And that's going to just totally take away Zach Ertz's value. 50-50, I think he still has a good floor. The Eagles can support two good tight ends. They did it last not, year. Not top six, though. He, he would be... He would be like number ten or number twelve, which is risky. You think that a guy that's splitting, Calvin? You think a guy that's splitting targets with another tight end can be top six? Goddard was top six over the end of last season. I would bet. I'll bet that late last season there were a few weeks where he was top six. No, he'll be behind uh, Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, and Higby. He'll be six, and Goddard maybe seven. So that that, I mean, that's just Calvin. There's no way you can have. The same team have the number six and the number seven running back. How? Like, I mean, and not running back. back We're not talking about running like, back. And for running end. back, don't bring up running back because Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram proved that in yes, New Orleans yes, they could yes, both be yes, good. Yes. How, I, I didn't mean to say running back. I meant, but at I meant tight end, end, it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. And it, how? It happened what, last what year. You ever seen Ertz that? and Goddard when, both what? played well last year. They when did. Top six. What? Look at look up Zach's decisions. I'm sure Goddard Zachary. was at least top eight during that stretch where he was great. He finished as like the number ten tight end, and he wasn't even good for half the season. So Goddard is de- was definitely top eight or top six. Ertz was good the whole season, not great, but good. He'll be they'll both be around top six top territory. Both probably be in top eight or top ten. So I feel like Ertz's floor is safe. Um, there's no way no, Goddard it's, takes it's more than half. So. How can it? Be? I can't. That's like impossible. <laughs> There's no way. This has been a fun episode. We've had lots of debates, but um, I I don't I don't know. I I just completely disagree with you. So we'll go to oh, um, okay. He he came number five last year. So that but mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, mm-hmm. he's really started to drop off because he was good at the beginning. How about you look at he stats from beginning. week 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 eleven to week seventeen, or like week twelve to week seventeen tight end stats, half point PPR. 
And look where Dallas got. Okay, let's, let's look at Dallas Goddard's finish. His finish was really nice. So we're looking this up right now. And while we, while we do, I'll talk about Evan Ingram as one of my risky players. And Chris, I think Chris is, while he's looking this up, he's being deprived of a debate for now. But because he likes Evan Ingram. But he's Evan Ingram's finished, such a huge number risk. 10. He finished as number 10. That's Overall, number 10, through the exactly whole season, I'm talking about in the second half when he played really well. I said he finished number 10. It's just in the second half, he played so much better. He, there's no way they can support number six and number seven. I can't. You're you're I just mad because that's that's the truth. No that's way. That happened. No, Calvin, they, they did. Can't. Second they half can't. of the season, they, they did. Though. They did. I'm but, sure they no, did. No, but that's because both. all of their wide receivers were gone. They had no wide receivers. They okay, had none. But their wide, they still don't really have any wide receivers except Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, they, they. You just made a case. They have they have Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Jalen Rager. I didn't make a case for Deshaun Jackson or Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager had dropping issues you last year. But Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey, Jeffrey, I like Deshaun Alshon Jackson Jeffrey, and Jalen Rager. Okay, well, they're not going to... All coming to the team. I'm, so Nelson Aguilar left. Nelson Aguilar left, and that target share left. I'm not really worried about Rager oh, or Nelson Jackson. Aguilar, I'm worried about like Jeffrey may take some targets, but they'll both produce at close to top eight levels if they spread it 50-50. They may not spread it 50-50, though. They, Ertz may, may they're, not gonna, they're not going to both be top eight. That's, there's no way. At the tight end okay. position, if Aaron stays you, healthy, if Hunter Henry stays healthy, if Gronk stays healthy, if Hooper gets like a ton of targets and overcomes all the other options in that offense, maybe they're not both top eight. But still, though, that's a lot of ifs right there. Um, Ingram for me, his injury risk is huge, no and that's why. No way. Ingram's injury risk is huge. That's my point here. And okay, that, I would agree with Ingram's really risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I've also got Austin Hooper, who, like I said just now, his the targets, the amount of guys in that offense that they can throw to. They've got Kareem Hunt. They've got, I guess, Nick Chubb. They might throw to a little. Um, they've got Jarvis Landry. They've got OBJ. There's just so many guys there, and Hooper may end up being a fourth target there in that offense, which isn't really good to support tight end production, especially with a mediocre at best quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Chris, I know you've got Gronk as your second tight end, probably because of injury risk. Yeah, yeah, and he's just old. He hasn't been in the league for two years now. Yeah, that's so. true. Well, I mean, I one that's year. Just, or one year, but I don't know if you can trust a guy that's coming back. And he retired for a reason because he wasn't feeling great. So we'll see how that comes back. And now he's in a totally new offense. We'll see how he functions. He's just a risky guy. Yeah. So we'll go to our favorite players who we have undrafted in our rankings. And my favorite quarterback who I have undrafted is Drew Locke. And I could not bring myself to put Phillip Rivers here just because – and this is Chris's favorite too. Drew Locke, with the targets there, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and KJ Hamler, he's got a chance at top 25 fantasy production. I just think he's not yeah. very talented, but I think with the targets, they can somewhat support him. And, Chris, I know you agree too, but you chose yeah, between different with players. Yeah, I agree with Drew Locke. I have, yeah, I have Drew Locke here too, but I also had it close between Derek Carr and Gardner Minshew because I think that Gardner Minshew could still be good. I think the supporting cast isn't there, though. And Derek Carr, he was the main guy that I was having some trouble with, but I just went with Drew Locke just because I think that he has more potential. Well, let me just be clear. Gardner Minshew was number 22, and Carr was number 24 in my rankings. So I think they are, they're both in my rankings, so that's why I didn't consider them. Uh, but I feel like outside of the top 25, there's no QBs that are draftable. I looked through, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I hate this. Maybe Dwayne Haskins is an upside pick to a tag of Iloa. But, like, besides those uh, 20 uh, – I guess I'll say 27. Besides those 27, you really cannot consider anyone else. My top 24, Locke, 
Tagvailoa and Haskins. Don't consider anyone else for drafting. Um, at RB, I've got Malcolm Brown. And Malcolm Brown is the third guy in the three-headed monster that is going to be the LA Rams' backfield next year. And I think Malcolm Brown's got some potential to maybe be equally as good or better than Daryl Henderson. And if he's the number two in an offense that's splitting carries, I think he's got enough production to be the number 61 RB. So, and he's been all right throughout his career. So I think he can be fine. And Chris, I guess you've got Joshua Kelly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got Joshua Kelly. But I was this is another debate that I had between myself. Uh, I I had my number sixty slot open, and I was thinking, should I put Joshua Kelly or Darrington Evans? And I went with Evans just because I think that there's only one running back there in uh, Tennessee, and that's Derek Henry. And he's not as much as a of a pass catching back. Where if you go to uh, the Los Angeles or to the Chargers, then you uh, then you get uh, Austin Eckler who can run and catch passes. So I just put Joshua, Joshua Kelly just a little bit below, but I do think that they could both be inside the top 60. And I, I don't mind Joshua Kelly next year. Yeah. I think I have him at number 60 or maybe number 59 in my rankings. So he's right there. Um, Alan was, or wait, I shouldn't give it away. That's, that was yours, Chris. Uh, Cole Beasley is my wide receiver. And like I talked about earlier, his floor is just so high. I think his target share will stay there, but with the strong wide receiver class, he just gets bumped straight out slightly out of the top 60 for me, especially with the addition of Stefan Diggs. But people forget, I think Cole Beasley was the number 35 wide receiver and maybe even higher in half PPR leagues just because of his target share. So he may be bumped very – he may even be in the top 60 next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he was even top 60 or top 50. And, Chris, you've got Alan Lazard as yours. Yeah, and Alan Lazard is a guy that I'll take a little time to talk about because I think that he could be really good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers came out last year and said in the middle of the season that he wanted to see Alan Lazard put in a game, and that really speaks something that a guy that's been in the league so long was able to end, identify Alan Lazard as a guy that's talented. And when Lazard came in – Rodgers threw to him. It wasn't like he just wanted him to be in to be, I don't know, just because he didn't like the other guy. It's because he actually liked Lazard, and he started throwing to him. And Lazard had a few long touchdown passes, and he was getting open, and he was playing like a receiver that should definitely be a starter. So that really says speak, speaks to me because I think that when a quarterback trusts you, that's a huge plus in fantasy because you know that they're going to throw to them, and that's one of the biggest concerns with a guy like Lazard who's also dealing with Devontae Adams Devonta Adams might suck up all the targets, but when you know that Rodgers likes Alan Lazard, I think that he could very well be top 60. I actually might even move him back into my top 60. It's just I had to move him out for some other guys. But I definitely think that Lazard could be top 60 because he, because of the trust that he has with Aaron Rodgers and because he's talented enough, according to Rodgers at least, to play in the NFL. Yeah, I just think I'm at, like number 55, and I didn't love his production next year, but if you can be a wide receiver too in Green Bay's offense, I think that's good enough to put up top 50, top 55 mm-hmm. production. So I like Lazard next year a decent amount. He's a nice guy to get in the end of your drafts, and I think I have him as – I think he's very draftable. Um, as my number 55 receiver, I think he should be drafted. So that's it for our podcast today. Make sure to uh, download and listen, as always. Thanks for downloading and listening, as always. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to check out our rankings and articles, or obviously our rankings we've been discussing a lot today, you can go to sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. Um, if you want to check out our live show and our solo live streams, go to eight, uh, sportscaster.com slash second and goal sports talk. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash second and goal or slash S-G sports talk, excuse me. So again, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash S-G Sports Talk to find our solo live streams and our show, which is coming out in five days, the first edition of our uh, duo show, I guess we'll call it. Um, 
yeah, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Keep downloading there. Maybe rate and review. If you have questions about fantasy football, email us at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com, and your questions will be considered for our listener, listener mailbag episodes. Wow, I've said that a lot. So I've uh, sort of, it's sort of know it by heart now. Just go around saying it for hours and hours. But um, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.